Welcome one, welcome all to the greatest show of them all. It is Monday, Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL Show. A reminder that this show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. As mentioned, this is Monday Football Monday on the SB Nation NFL Show, a very special show in general. Monday Football Monday, you can watch us live on the SB Nation NFL Twitter page, the SB Nation NFL Facebook page, the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel. Congratulations to me on saying SB Nation NFL that many times in a row. One more time, you can subscribe to the SB Nation NFL Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple devices, Spotify, leave a rating, write a review. Who am I? I'm RJ Ochoa from SB Nation's blog and the boys covering the mediocre Dallas Cowboys 24-7, 365, because I am a glutton for punishment. Joining me every week, normally, producer Rachel, who is here hanging out behind the scenes because she is fantastic but pete sweeney of arrowhead pride has the day off so in order to fill in for him we brought in somebody else whose team lost a conference championship game this season from niners nation from the sb nation nfl show you hear me with him every thursday on the look ahead here it is rob stats guerrera stats welcome to varsity no longer that you know (laughs) science project you're working on every tuesday with brandon uh how's it feel to be sitting in the big boy chair rj I don't like that intro. I think you should do that intro over. It was very mean-spirited, especially coming from somebody whose team didn't even make the conference championship game. So I think you can do better. Mm. See, I already said that. So, like, you're not even original. I thought I'd bring you in and have some funny things we could go back and forth with, but you're starting off in a really unoriginal place. It's kind of embarrassing. Maybe you want to start your intro over. I'm comfortable with it. I said what I said. Mm, Okay, so um, this is how it works on Mondays. I know you guys have to, like, pick up the scraps on Tuesday, but here we set the tone for how the week goes. All right, here we start off with the big shebang. All right, it's Monday. It's lunas. It's the day. Well, I wouldn't say the day of all days. It's, like, the sixth best day um, of the week. In fact, last week on the NFC East mixtape, Brandon Gotten and I did rank, power rank the days of the week. Uh, But we have a lot of things to get to. Uh, There is another whining quarterback in the (laughs) NFC. Um, Big shocker. Uh, We know the home teams for the international games are going to be taking place this season. There are some overtime rule proposals uh, because that's uh, the subject of a lot of whining. There is something you wanted to talk about, Stats. Some, something that the Miami Dolphins were slash are involved in. It's a very strange place. And of course, like we talked about a few weeks ago here, Carson Wentz's name surely will come up at one point or another. But let's start out uh, as as he referred to, or rather his agent referred to, the Valley. I, I mean, I, who? <laughs> I know that the Suns have that on their jersey. That's cool. Um, but whatever, um, there, had been, there had been talks, stats of Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray having some, um, we'll call it feeling uh, with regards to his team, the team that selected him with the number one overall pick three years ago, less than three years ago, actually. Kyler Murray is at a point where he can get paid, he can get a contract of his rookie deal, and he seemingly wants it. Ky- uh, Kyler's agent, Eric Burkhart, released a I don't know what to call this. Um, you could call it a statement. You could call it, um, you know, uh, an opening statement. You could call it a, uh, you know, a term paper. I don't know. But Eric Burkhart released, this has to be like 500 words. This has to be maybe 1,000 words, uh, where he basically could have said, pay our quarterback. I'll just tell you the <laughs> opening lines, stats. It, this was written in all caps, which it makes it 
scream insecurity. Uh, Kyler wants to be direct with loyal Arizona Cardinal fans. I don't know that there are any, Rob. We've talked about that before. And the First great community. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> he wants to be direct, yet he's having his agent release a right. statement. Kyler okay. wants to be direct with loyal Arizona Cardinal fans and the great community of the Valley in stating his two very important goals and objectives. Number one, he absolutely wants to be your long-term QB. Two, he desperately wants to win the Super Bowl. This point really separates Kyler Murray from every player in the NFL, True. by the way. Um, achieving both goals will take incredible commitment from himself and the entire organization. Um, Stats, your thought on Eric Burkhardt's statement on behalf of Kyler Murray? I have so many thoughts. Like, first of all, what? why does Eric Burkhardt have to release a statement at all? This isn't 1992. We have social media, right? Kyler Murray could literally go on Instagram Live. The Super Bowl, just putting that out there. Or tweet something and lay all this out himself, right? He could just flat out say, hey, Arizona Cardinals fans, I love you guys. I'm committed, but I need a new deal. I think I've earned it. I need a new deal. Let's go. Like, we don't need a treatsy from Eric Burkhart explaining all this garbage. That's number one. Do you agree? I Yeah, I agree with you. Um I don't know why this, like, I think the statement's stupid, and, and I'll get into my own reasons in a minute, but um, I don't know why this couldn't have been written from the first person and shared from <laughs> Kyler's, uh, you know, accounts. Like, to, to your point, I mean, why why did this have to go through Eric Burkhart and then through Adam Schefter? Um, it feels like a lot of actually hiding is really what this feels like. It feels like the opposite of being direct. It feels like being really indirect and being really passive-aggressive. I don't like anything about it, by the way. The whole argument in the which he goes into like specific reasons why Kyler deserves a new this deal. Is, this is my gripe. So it's all I, quarterback wins is so what he's given me essentially. The um the first I guess paragraph, the first like real paragraph. There's there were all these like um like English one oh one people coming for, for this statement. Uh <laughs> my uh my junior year of high school English teacher, Miss McKenzie, would not approve of this uh of this statement. But um the second paragraph is really actually pathetic i honestly i honestly <laughs> think um it says as, um a successful and valuable foundation for the organization has been built the team and kyler's individual three-year track record of undisputed and increasingly positive positive results while under the extremely challenging circumstances of walking into a three-win team with the last ranked offense in the toughest division in football now we're we've got divisional pride which is ironic given that <laughs> kyler ran from the sec where they focus on that kind of thing um the cardinals are the only franchise in the nfl to have improved by three or more wins in each of the last three seasons buried in that statement stats is this idea that you have the ability to improve that much season to season right. uh, but the last bit here Kyler was tasked with stepping into a tough situation and named the starter on day one of his arrival that's not like a, a, a bad thing but uh, he has delivered and exceeded all reasonable expectations along the way in winning NFL offensive rookie of the year followed this is the most embarrassing thing by back-to-back -back Pro Bowls in the ultra-competitive and QB-loaded NFC. This is sad. I'm actually sad for Kyler that he let this happen. It is so... Like, it is not the flex you think it is, Eric Burkhart and Kyler Murray. First of all, great. You've won three more wins than the year before. Well, if you start out at three wins and you win three more, you still suck. You're still at six wins, so congratulations. I don't want to hear QB wins when you're the number one overall draft pick. And oh, by the way, yeah, you stepped onto a three-win team. So does every quarterback that was drafted number one. That's how you get in that spot. So you're not unique there. And I just think 
that Kyler Murray is the same quarterback he's been since he's come into the league. And that's not a bad quarterback, by the way. I want to say that. He's, Kyler Murray is not a bad quarterback. I wouldn't pay him what the market rate is going to be, but it's not like Kyler Murray has been progressing and getting better and better and better. Go look at his numbers. They're basically in the same ballpark every year. You're going to get like 23 touchdown passes, around 10 to 12 interceptions. You're going to get just under 4,000 yards passing. And save for one year, you're going to get about 500 rushing yards and five touchdowns. That is a very good, very solid year. Is it $40 million a year good? Hell no. And the fact that he approved this whole plan means he is way too concerned about stuff beyond winning a Super Bowl for me to like that, for me to say that's the guy I want to pay $40 million a year to. I think we get trapped in the number of things. Um, and I say this as somebody who survived the Dak Prescott contract negotiations. <laughs> um, I, I think he's worth $40 million because I think that's the going rate. I think Kyle is worth the going rate. What's the going rate? 40 50 60 whatever it is. Like, it's, it, nope. this is a pass-fail proposition. Is Kyler Murray nope. a franchise no, quarterback? Not. That's terrible. Well, that's what it is. That's the way business works here. I'm not saying that it's cool, but that's like if you want to dance, like you got to have a dance partner and he's the dance partner. And so in that sense, he meets the criteria in my mind. But this is really pathetic. Um, Isolated on its own in this statement is actions speak much louder than words in this volatile business (laughs) underneath that. Uh, we've got a, we got a Pro Bowl flex again. It is now simply up to the Cardinals to decide if they prioritize their rapidly improving 24-year-old, already two-time Pro Bowl quarterback who led the organization from three wins before his arrival to 11 wins and their first playoff appearance in five years. Not mentioned in Eric Burkhart's diatribe here is that the Cardinals lost five of their last six games, and one of those was their playoff game, and that within that stretch, they lost to the Colts and to the Lions. Like, this was a team that collapsed and has collapsed two years in a row. Kyler deserves some responsibility for that. I still think he's worth, you know, being a franchise quarterback in spite of that, like, I think he, he meets that pass-fail criteria, but, like, what Eric Burkhart doesn't realize here is, like, I know that there's precedent here. I know Jared Goff and Carson Wentz and many others have gotten paid after their third year when they're first eligible, and there's logic to doing that, and, like, that's, this was so stupid, too. I'm sorry, but I, I don't mean to just, like, read this whole thing, but Eric Burkhart noted in uh, Kyler's priorities here, it's, he says, it was important to Kyler that his proposal reflected all of the following, and he says, provides financial re- uh, reflection, is a line with the current quarterback market and lowers his 2022-2023 salary cap number to allow the Cardinals to re-sign other deserving teammates and add additional free agents. That's not something Kyler would be giving up. That's that's like that's just a natural result of getting hit and locked up to a deal. That is actually a team incentive. That isn't Kyler making a concession. So this was just really, really embarrassing. Like that that somebody in this professional business thinks these things are flexes to your point. How are you going to say actions speak louder than words when you're releasing a thousand word statement? Like, how about this? Just go to the Cardinals and begin negotiations. I don't need this statement from you, right? I Kyler made the statement. Kyler didn't put out any words, did he? No, he scrubbed all Cardinal stuff from his social media. That's the statement, right? That is the thing that he did. And oh, by the way, all the people, JJ Watt, 
And all the people that said, oh, we're making too big a deal out of this. And look at this offseason start. Look, turns out we were right, weren't we? It does matter when people do that. Same thing with Russell Wilson. He took the Seahawks stuff out of his profile. Like, uh, yeah, I think it matters. Sorry. This, to me, is big loser energy, as our friend BLG, Brandon Lee Gowden, would say. I do not think that Kyler Murray is worth $40 million a year. I think it's absurd. Why would you think that? It's not a pass-fail thing at all. At all. They can, the Cardinals can let him play out his, his contract. They can franchise him twice, and then they could say, see you later. Why I would think, you pay this guy $40 million a year when you do not have to? So if we play the game, pass, fail, like just yes or no, I just play the game with me. Are these quarterbacks franchise quarterbacks? Yes or no? Just that's, that's all I want. Lamar Jackson. Yes. Okay. Kyler Murray. No. Yeah. Well, oh, Baker Mayfield is going to be my third one. No. Right. Obviously. So. That's that's the way I play the game. And so Lamar Jackson, he's a franchise quarterback. So what's the market rate? Okay, I know what it is. I've got like, the, what are the rules? What are the rules of engagement here? Got to pay you a little bit more than the last guy? Okay, great. Let's get it done. That, that's been my logic all along when it comes to Dak Prescott. And that's what, well, I'll circle back to this. But Kyler Murray, in my mind, I think he meets the requirements here. I think he's met the bar. I'm, I'm fine if you disagree. I'm not going to like die on this hill. Like I'm, you know, I, I, I think the thing, but I, I don't think it that passionately. But like Baker Mayfield does like that's one where it's like I don't like I think we get caught up in the number that's my only point to you is like it's not a matter of like it being 40 million to me because 40 million while it is an exorbitant amount of money it isn't this like whoa 40 million dollar thing that's just the going rate I mean if you want to go buy an Xbox or a PlayStation or a TV or a computer or whatever what's the going rate that's my only point I, I mean so I prefer the verbiage going rate as opposed to the number because the, the going rate changes year to year to year but here's the thing as that number goes up and up and up the bar of is this guy a franchise quarterback also rises with it. It has, but it to, doesn't because, because that... the cap goes up too. Like it's all commensurate. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's, it's not like he's taking up a larger portion of the salary cap than like oh, anybody fair. else, you know? And, and that's but, what I mean by the going rate. Like, yes, it's a crazy amount of money. And like, that's why like, you know, uh, in today's football morning in America, Peter King wrote about, Troy Aikman's contract at, at ES, his alleged contract at ESPN and how it, it dwarfs the money he made playing in the NFL. It's like, well, no, duh. <laughs> like, well, well, welcome to right. the economy. And, it, <laughs> yeah. Inflation. Like it, like there's more money Like there's, there's more money. The salary cap's bigger. So like, that's going to like, the result is going to be that they're making more money. Um, and so that's why, that's what I mean by like getting lost in the number. I'm fine. If you and I disagree whether or not Kyler meets the pass fail criteria, but the 40 million thing to me is whatever, but man, this is super duper lame. Like this is embarrassing for Kyler that, that he let this happen because again like he repeated his argument later in the statement it's, it's like when you argue with someone and they just keep like cycling back the same points you know and you're like well you clearly don't know what you're doing here you know you're just like saying the same things like that's what i'm saying like later on he's like he's a two-time pro bowler dude nobody cares like nobody cares about him being a pro bowler like this is so sad and embarrassing and i I also think, like, while it's sad and embarrassing, like, the Cardinals are so insignificant that does, like, anybody care, Eric? Like, it's, it kind of feels like a straw man <laughs> argument to some degree. I don't think that Kyler Murray should be re-signed by the Cardinals. What is – I understand Kyler's uh, desire to get a contract. Of course. He, I totally get that. But if I were the team, I would say, no, Kyler, we're not going to give you a new deal. We're going to play out your deal. I'm going to pick up your fifth year option. I'm going to franchise you twice. Now, if you don't like that and you don't want to play, then we'll work out a trade. But I am not paying you all this money. 
I want no part of this guy going forward. As I cover and root for a team in the NFC West, I say, bring it on, Arizona. Please give this guy $40 million a year. Hamstring yourselves. Get locked into this dude. I don't think that's hamstringing yourselves. Because, again, like, if you if you isolate the number, if you look at it as just market rate, teams get out of that all the time. Like the, the Rams got out of the Jared Goff deal. That was market rate. The Eagles got out of the Carson Wentz deal. And it's so get out of bowl that the Colts might be getting out of it this off season as well. And so like, it's like, I don't, it doesn't like, it, it doesn't, you know, it's not the iceberg hitting the Titanic. That That's not well, what like why, this deal is. Why is it that except for Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, the quarterbacks that win Super Bowls are the quarterbacks that are on their rookie deals. I mean, I can't like come up with a logical argument to that other than it's really hard and that Peyton Manning and Tom Brady were really good. It's it's you're right. Like it's it's a really common thing and it's easier to do when you have a quarterback on a lower cap number. Like that's, you know, obviously the dream situation is a quarterback on his rookie contract. A, a super duper dream to use super duper twice this episode is you have a quarterback <laughs> on, I don't know, a fourth round rookie contract and you take advantage of that. Unlike the way the Dallas Cowboys handled that with Dak Prescott. Right. And so, but I love when teams have quarterbacks on their rookie contracts and they go out and they bring in players the way Patrick Mahomes' team signed at the time, Sammy Watkins and Tyron Matthew, the way the Rams do with Jared Goff. I mean, they were you know trading for Sammy Watkins and Brandon Cooks and Aqib Tlaib and all these things. And we even saw the Bears with Mitchell Trubisky sign Allen Robinson like I love when teams go all in that way and I actually think the Cardinals have kind of done that the Cardinals and, and that's what's stupid about this like they they can't they have taken advantage of Kyler's rookie contract by you know trading for DeAndre Hopkins signing JJ Watt like they have you know signing James Conner like not that those are not that James Conner's on the same level I know he played very well but but wasn't at the time of the signing like they have said okay this is our financially viable window more viable let's take advantage of it and so like the other thing is like this water caring that's happening from from some members of NFL media saying like well Kyler's only making 5.4 million dollars this year yeah that says rookie contract like it's 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 not like unfair I get that you want to get paid and good for you Kyler get paid as soon and as often as you can 100% with you there but like this this victimizing of Kyler by his agent is really kind of making the situation worse and the reality the cold hard business reality is that the Cardinals don't have to get off the pot when it comes to this for several years Kyler is only entering the last year of his original rookie contract they'll pick up his fifth year option so they have at least two years of his rookie contract left that's through the 2023 season then they can place the tag on him once they probably won't do it again I mean Kyler is is in a between a rock and a hard place that really truly unless he wants to really draw a line in the sand doesn't get him out until 2025 i totally agree with you what is the rush if i'm the arizona cardinals again it's, i understand it's lowering it your Kyler's cap hit now that's that's the only thing that's it like and, and to your point about kyler not being a victim not only is he on his rookie contract like it's against league rule they cannot renegotiate that so even if the cardinals were like we love you kyler you're the best ever there was nothing they could have done up until now so right. like you know, let's stop acting like he's a victim. I totally agree with you. I would want no part of it. There's no way I'm paying this guy. The fact that he, you know, Burkhart likes to tout all the wins they've had there. Right. And which if you're going to say, okay, fine. Kyler is the biggest reason for that. Well, then he's also the biggest reason for their slides at the end of this season. And the biggest reason that they were thoroughly dominated by a divisional opponent in the playoffs. Like you can't have it both ways, Eric Burkhardt. If you're going to say he he gets the brunt of the credit, he also has to get the brunt of the blame. And so like, I, I'm sorry, man, I am not 
giving this guy another contract. One of their best wins wasn't even authored by Kyler when when they beat Seattle with Colt McCoy. Like that was one of their like holy crap, take the Cardinals seriously wins. Like man, and San like, Francisco with Colt McCoy, they the, crushed the Niners. The Cardinals like. The Cardinals in general are losers. Like I like I can't think of the <laughs> the only Cardinals fan on earth I can think of is Blake Shelton. That's and that's because he's like always on Good Morning Football talking about them. I can, I can't think of another Cardinals fan. Can you? No. And that's because no. you play them twice a year. <laughs> like you know you you would think that like you would yeah. know one just based off of time. Like that's it. They're the only team I can. Uh, that's it's it's sad. But it's no, thanks. Par for the course. Okay, let's blitz through a couple of other things. Uh, speaking of the Cardinals, on Monday morning, the NFL announced the five home teams for the international games that will take place this season. The Cardinals actually will host the game in Mexico City this coming season. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will host the NFL's venture into Germany. There will be three games played in London, two at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Some people believe the, the most luxurious stadium in the world. What? Are you still talking about international games? The New Orleans Saints and Green Bay Packers will host the games at Tottenham while the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, a.k.a. the London Jaguars, will host the game at Wembley. That's all I'm saying. You know, just it's cool for international stuff. I'm trying. Nobody cares about that. I'm trying to, you know, talk to the world here. I know you are um, a USA elitist. So um, no, not by any stretch of the imagination. Wake me up. Just tell me when the games are. Uh, number two, you brought this up. It was uh, reported on Monday morning by Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk that the Miami Dolphins had a plan for 2022 stats, um, and literally none of it is <laughs> is happening. Uh, the grand plan was to bring in Sean Payton as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins and Tom Brady as the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. Some people have um, suggested that the quarterback – with the yacht situation and the Steven Ross debacle, we'll call it, uh, was Tom Brady. You know, there, there's no proof of anything right now, but it, there's a, 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 a sector of the multiverse where Tom Brady and Sean Payton have teamed up to uh, be a part of the Miami Dolphins in 2022. Yeah, so as Florio writes in the article, as to Brady, the fact that he's reportedly and indeed is the unnamed quarterback with whom Ross allegedly tried to get Flores to tamper in 2020, so Florio's confirming that it was, in fact, Tom Brady. This is fascinating to me because, first of all, I love the idea from the Dolphins. Like, don't just look at who's quote-unquote on the market. Take big swings. Try and make a big move. This would be an, an incredible move if the Dolphins were able to pull it off. Um, and, and just so people know, the way it works, if you want to acquire another team's head coach, first, you go, you're supposed to go to that other team work out a compensation package. And then once that package is worked out, you go to the coach and you say, Hey, do you want this to happen? That's what happened with the 49ers. The Niners and the Browns agreed to a compensation package for Jim Harbaugh. The Niners then went to Harbaugh and said, do you want to do this? And Harbaugh said, no. So that's technically how it's supposed to go. But we all know league rules are, you know, they're more guidelines than actual rules sometimes. And so, you would think, and, and kind of what Florio and Chris Sims were sort of hinting at on the show today was essentially like the Dolphins had talked to Sean Payton. They knew that Sean Payton was interested. They weren't going to go through the whole rigmarole without knowing that Sean Payton was interested. The Saints then officially denied the Dolphins permission to talk to Sean Payton, which is crazy because they knew that he was going to walk away. So like, why would you 
say we would rather get nothing for this asset than something. That's the weird part about this. I mean, I don't like the Dolphins are weird. I mean, <laughs> like the Dolphins are the Cardinals of the. But no, from the oh, Saints. Uh, oh, the Saints. Yeah, like, I mean, if yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the this whole Sean Payton thing is very weird in general. Like, it's weird how predictable it was. It's weird how it happened. It's weird how it's just kind of accepted. It's weird how it's kind of accepted that he'll coach again and not in New Orleans. It's weird that he's, like, heavily rumored to be in television rumors. What's more, as we talked about on the look ahead, is if he takes one of these high-profile TV jobs, then he's unlikely to return to coaching next year. I mean, nothing about this makes sense. It's, it's all strange and awkward and weird. I just don't understand it, especially the Saints, right? You, you've you been kicking the, the can down the road for years, salary cap-wise. You're going to need assets because eventually your cap situation is going to have to be worked out. The more draft picks you could get, the better, right? There's your cheap labor, and yet they knew that Sean Payton but, was retiring, I mean, and they, they just decided, no, we're not going to do this. Like, why wouldn't you want assets? It, it doesn't make any sense. If I were a Saints fan, I'd be upset about is, this. And this there's some faulty logic within this but the only logic is that they know that sean payton has a team in mind that he wants to coach when, whenever he's ready to coach again and it's not the miami dolphins you know what i mean and, and so they're willing to i like i always find it strange that teams are willing to trade coaches you know what i mean like i like in general like as a rule of thumb you know like i always find it strange that in you know that the the bucks or the raiders traded away john gruden like why would you do that like why would you make another team better you know like in that way like just let, let the coach retire you know i would i would i would rather play that like game of, of avoiding risk than have like an extra third or fourth round pick and it's it's not worth it to me and so but he already know, retired. But would you rather Jim Harbaugh, like going back to the Browns example, would you rather Jim Harbaugh be retired or be in college right now or be the head coach of the Browns and have had that third and fourth round pick in 2015? Like, what would you have rather had? I would I rather would. have now, the picks. Now, are you serious? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. You are losing this asset. It is He is not going to be with your team. You can either get something for him or nothing. And you're like, you're I'll avoiding nothing, guarantee. Please. You can guarantee that he doesn't come back to burn you the way John Gruden. He can come back a year later. I, I, Who cares? He like, doesn't want to be with you. What if you lose the Super Bowl to him? What, what, you know what I mean? Like, what? What if he's successful elsewhere? Like, why would you? Why would you take that risk in the name? Like, if the if the reward justified the risk, sure. But if it's just like these like mid level day two picks, like those, they're not as valuable as we make them out to be. Like, sure, they sound nice. So you're telling me, you just put me back in the Super Bowl without this person. <laughs> That's great. I mean, like I, there's no you're you're choosing nothing over something. No, that, because that's I'm also choosing the guarantee of it not coming back to bite me. There's there's like, oh, he doesn't want to be there, and he can come back a year later we anyway. All agree. We, you're not stopping anything. You're stop. You're stopping I don't think nothing. So. I think RJ. you're stop. You're at least controlling something. And at at bet like maybe not at best, but on one hand, you're also acquiescing to what Sean wants. He might not want Miami. You know what I mean? Like you. Well, he I clearly mean, did. He might not, though. Like, again, like this is a very compared to all situations where coaches have been traded. This is a very unique one and a very mysterious one. And so and also, like, maybe the Brady thing fell through, you know, like that if this was like truly a package deal, like if Sean was going to go to Miami and it wasn't going to be Tom Brady, he's probably like, yeah, I'm out. Like, there's, there's no way I'm doing this, you know, like. Yeah, the Brady part of this is interesting because apparently there was also 
uh, potential minority ownership stake that would have occurred where Brady was going to be, you know, a minority owner. So that obviously complicates things. But I just feel like none of this come like the Dolphins don't just get this idea and then run with it. I'm sure they talked to Sean Payton. I'm sure they reached out to Brady in some way to see if he was interested in this whole thing. Like they're not doing this by the seat of their pants. They have some idea of what these people would say. Otherwise, they wouldn't go through this whole rigmarole. And I love it from the Dolphins perspective. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. If you're the Saints, like I, that's a dumb decision, but whatever. That's what the Saints do. I do think it's so sketchy of Sean Payton. Like you're part of the reason the Saints are in the financial See, like, situation I, that they're in. They started, they were $75 million over the cap. More and then, than any and then other they, team, they RJ. waved their pens last before the weekend began and created all sorts of salary cap space. Like the, again, like the Saints are not these victims. And like Sean, okay, like I think this is unfair to Sean Payton. And I know this really bothers you because the Saints are a better team than the 49ers. Um, like the the reason that they're like he it, it wasn't just this like i want to bury this team in salary cap hell like the reason he did those things was to keep them competitive and it worked like they have been competitive this entire time like there have been like reasons for his actions and so like i don't think it's fair to just like criminalize him like oh man all he did was like put us in salary cap hell like no you had legitimate chances at winning the super bowl some weird fluky things happen along the way to where you didn't you didn't even get to play in one but like no, they yeah, didn't. They, they didn't mess up, up the, the Minneapolis miracle. That was crazy luck. They didn't mess up the botched pass interference call. Okay. Okay. Ho- like, hold there was, on. Marcus hold Williams on. messed that up. But my point is, like, that's a crazy play. Like, sometimes those, like, that's a once in a lifetime play that, that they were on the wrong end of. Well, they didn't mess up the pass job. interference call a year later in the Superdome. Yes, they did. Because Drew Brees got the ball in overtime anyway, and threw an interception. They have no, no one to blame anyway, but themselves. So. I don't think that Sean Payton has like just buried them. Like he kept them competitive. Like there were there were reasons for his actions, and so they're justifiable. Like and so like I don't right. think it's fair to just say all he did was tank their salary cap. Like no, like he he made sure the roster stayed no, intact. He did tank. It was a calculated risk for sure. But they are in a bad situation now. That is indisputable. And he's just going to cut bait and wash his hands and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to coach well, Tom Brady and the Dolphins now. Like, that seems sketchy to me. That's like a college football coach leaving before the sanctions come down. Like, he's leaving before the credit card bill is due. Um, Yeah. I mean. Are we going to agree on anything today? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's time now to talk about the overtime rules. Uh, there are potential changes coming to the NFL. Speaking of the Saints and that overtime uh, NFC Championship game in 2018, Saints love to lose uh, overtime NFC Championship games in the Superdome. By the way, um, so a lot of discussion is coming to overtime on the heels of the AFC divisional round matchup between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. 13 seconds, blah blah blah, whatever. Neither team won the Super Bowl. We don't have to like immortalize the game. We can just say it was really good and let it be. But anyway. Um, stats, what is the heavy proposal that's gaining steam? So, well, there's two reports that came out yesterday. One, Mark Maskey of the Washington Post said the competition committee is definitely going to recommend some sort of overtime change, essentially. The second thing is the Colts actually are recommending an overtime change that would apply to both the regular season and the postseason in which one each team would be guaranteed a possession. And then after that, it would go to sudden death. What are your thoughts on either of those things? Because I... Okay, I'll go first. I'll go first. I don't want you to say okay. anything. I right. think this is stupid. I think all of the outrage is so dumb. I have thought that actually since the 2009 NFC Championship game, the one I made reference to, when 
Um, the New Orleans Saints actually did not lose that one. I got that incorrect a moment ago. But when they beat the Minnesota Vikings and the entire offseason afterwards, in the early days of 2010, there was all this – actually, a few weeks ago here on Monday for Monday, Pete Sweeney tried to make the case like, well, this is all happening because the Chiefs lost the toss back in the – two. no, this, this all stems back to Brett Favre's Vikings. Yes. And it was like, well, we cannot have – a situation where somebody does not touch the ball. And so that was when they introduced this, like the first team to score a touchdown wins, blah, blah, blah. This I've, I've always thought this was stupid. I like take us back to sudden death. That was fine. If, if, if you don't win in regulation, that's on you. Like we, we shouldn't freak out about this. And what's more <laughs> is if you don't stop somebody else on their first possession of overtime, that's on you. Like I get that it's unfortunate that you lost the coin toss, but I think it's dumb that people like focus on the coin toss and they're like, if not for the coin, we would have won this game. No, you had four quarters to like do enough to win. So I think this is dumb. What's going to happen. I think I saw Mike Silver tweet this or quote tweet this. What's going to happen is we're going to get to a great game and it's going to go to overtime. It's going to be in the playoffs. And then team X is going to score a touchdown on their first possession. And we're going to say, Oh, here we go. This is why we changed the overtime rules. And then team Y, Y is going to go match that touchdown, and then Team X is going to go kick a field goal to win it. We're going to be like, this is so unfair that they won because <laughs> they they kicked a field goal. Now each team should be guaranteed two possessions. No, we can't just chase our tails forever on this. There is an end. That one team has to lose. And here's the thing, and I have said this from the beginning. So now you're just copying my point. Interesting. I... If you want to guarantee both teams a possession, that's fine. Like, I'm not going to get outraged about that. But just admit why you're doing it. You are doing it because it is more satisfying for you to see Josh Allen get another chance. It's for the story. You want the story. It's not because the coin toss determines who wins. That's just not supported by the data, RJ. In 12 overtime playoff games since they changed the rule. The teams that won the coin toss have won the game on the first possession, which that's what matters. It's not, well, if you win the coin toss, you win the game. No, no, no. You have to look at the first possession. So in 12 overtime games, teams that won the coin toss have won the game on the first possession seven times. That's one away from being a literal 50-50 split. So there is no injustice here. I'm the fact, the data says the coin toss does not determine the winner. So if you just want to say we want to change it because we want to see Josh Allen one more time, okay, I'm fine with that. But just admit that's the reason that you're doing it. It's not because the coin toss decides the outcome. That's just simply not in line with reality. I don't mean to poo-poo your data, and it's it sound like I'm not disputing it by any means, but I don't need anything. like if, if an, We say this all the time, but like if an alien landed here, if an alien arrived on January 1st, 2022, and like began absorbing NFL football now, you need no example other than the back-to-back -back weeks that were the divisional round and the conference championship. The Chiefs literally won the coin toss in the divisional round, go down, score touchdown. Oh my gosh, this is so unfair. And I love Josh Allen, but Josh Allen didn't get to touch the ball. The Bills didn't get to touch the ball. This is so unfair unfair the next week they win the toss in overtime and they punt and they patrick Mahomes almost throws an interception actually and they lose so literally back-to-back -back weeks they win the coin toss and have different results in the game there's no correlation that people want to make this out to be it's just silly and stupid and we're just chasing our tails forever and ever and ever i hate this i think it's ridiculous and i think it's dumb that people are like finally we're gonna change over time no like this isn't a finally thing we've been living in this hell since brett Favre's vikings whined about it <laughs>
it always goes back to Brett Favre. And the, the other point I want to make, because I've seen Mike Florio make this point several times, that he doesn't think that the just play defense point holds up because in his mind, the game is so tilted towards the offense and no one would ever, well, no one except for Barney Morningwig, would ever choose to kick off in overtime if they won the toss. They would always well, take the ball. But hey, here's the hey, thing. Bill Belichick as, played the wind in 2013. Let's As long as you have the opportunity to win with a touchdown without the other team touching the ball, you're always going to take the ball first. But that doesn't guarantee anything. And it's just it's just frustrates me, RJ, because I just want people to be honest about why they want the rule change. They're acting like it's supported by reality when it's just not. The only other like change I would and I, I would support this from like an entertainment perspective. I, I stand by everything I've said. But if if you have if I have to make a change, I like the idea, and I don't know if you've heard this, and I'm this isn't like an original idea. I've I've heard this and seen this like a million places, but I like the idea of whoever wins the original coin toss at the beginning of the game. Whatever they decide is what overtime is. So if, if you want to keep the overtime rules the same, fine. But so like say say I'm you know I'm the Cowboys, you're the Niners stats. I win the coin toss at the beginning of the game. If I say I want the ball and we go to overtime, I get the ball to start overtime. But if I say at the beginning of the game I want to defer, then I'm also deferring at the beginning of overtime. So then it becomes like a part of the strategy. And like I I still don't like that, but I like that there's at least some strategical thinking and logic that goes into it as opposed to this like I'm just sad because I didn't get to touch the ball again. Like that's what's lame to me. I don't like that. I I think that people people think that the coin toss is unfair because it's sort of out of team's control. So then just change the rule to where you give possession of the ball to based on something that happened in the game, the team that's gained more yards, the team that had yeah, fewer exactly. penalties, whatever I'm, I'm you totally want it to like, be. Totally with you on that too. You could ju- just change that and then everybody could stop whining. But I, I just, I don't like the idea that huge rule changes are needed because somehow there was some injustice to Josh Allen when he had four quarters to score more than the other team. And by the way, you could just stop them in overtime. So I, I just want people to be honest. That's all. I also think, I mean, like it, it's, it's, you know, if, if you care so much about offense, if that's what you really, really, really care about, and I still don't like this, but then just just adopt college overtime rules. Like, if that's what you really care about, if you're so passionate about, like, both teams have... gimmicky. I know it's gimmicky, but, like, if you really care about, like, both teams have to touch the ball, both teams whatever, then, like, that's safer, at least, right? As opposed to, like, go the whole length of the field. You know what I mean? Like, that, like it, it's, it's just dumb. It's dumb. So it's whining-based. The NFL is caught in a rock and a hard place because people keep saying it's not fair that Josh Allen didn't get the ball. Right. And then like you were saying, well, if we change the rule and then Josh Allen doesn't get the ball the second time, people are still going to complain. The logical solution to that then RJ is what is playing play a 10 minute yeah, or play an entire quarter, quarter yeah. right? But they can't do that because they are talking about health and safety and health and safety. And it's not, it's not fair. And it's too dangerous for the players to do that. So now the NFL owners are caught in a thing where they don't want quote unquote gimmicks but they can't play a full quarter. The thing that was what they really want that would eliminate all the complaints. So they're stuck in this weird half measure kind of world. And I just think it's funny because NFL owners are stupid. I think every fan base that complains about this is stupid. I think I love the bills, but I hate, I think the 2021 bills fans are stupid. I think the 2018 chiefs fans are stupid. I think the 2009 Vikings fans are stupid. You had a Mm -hmm. chance you had, and like Brett Favre had a chance. He, and in fact, didn't they win overtime? The coin toss in overtime. He threw the pick. Actually, I got that wrong. Didn't didn't that happen? He no. The Favre 
the whole thing started because Favre didn't get. I'm sorry, he ball. threw the interception at the end of regulation. That's what sent it to overtime. That's my bad. Probably. Um, uh, yeah, it's just it's absurd, and it's so stupid because if it wasn't Josh Allen, right? Let's say that it was Josh Allen got hurt and it was Mitchell Trubisky that and nobody he would played care. a great yeah. game. Nobody would care. But it, because it's Josh Allen, because it was Brett Favre, because it was Patrick Mahomes in eighteen. Yes. Yeah. That's the specific set of circumstances. So, like, if it was Jimmy Garoppolo, would anybody anybody be complaining? No, not really. So it's like, not only does this quote-unquote injustice have to occur, but it has to occur involving a superstar quarterback. And last thing on this, like, I hate to be like, play defense. Well, like, that's a lame argument, too. But, like, the like Bills, you had 13 seconds to protect. That's like, <laughs> that's a, this, the whole right. thing happened because they collapsed within a 13-second time frame. And so, actually, less than that. Like, if you, if you, like, People talk about like it was 13 seconds. It actually took less than that for the Chiefs to get into field goal range because they needed time left on the clock to kick the tying field goal. So um, lame, stupid, hate it, dumb, dumb people. Don't be dumb. Be smart like stats, you know? I don't like to reward stupidity. If you can't figure out a way to guard the field with 13 seconds left, that you don't deserve another. That doesn't entitle you then to another chance to win the game. It's The whole thing falls apart on itself. Um. In what will happen, like, because this is like, this is what happens with these things like this is like, let's just use Josh on as an example. And I hope this doesn't happen because again, I like the bills. Andrew Luskin, by the way, here says sudden death over time only works in sports with continuous play. I mean, sure. Like there's no, like, that's the thing. Like there, nobody is going to suggest something that is a hundred percent accepted. Like there's no perfect right. answer. Like you have to, that's what you have to accept that. Like somebody will lose. That's the, you know, reality of the game. <laughs> but what will happen stats is they will change this rule. And it will be like a random team like the or actually it will be like Justin Herbert next. That will be the next one that like the faux cry will happen. But it will be Justin Herbert against the Bills in overtime. Justin Herbert will go down. He'll score his touchdown. Awesome. Josh Allen will get the ball back. He'll match it and they'll be like, see, this is why this rule change was awesome. If this rule existed, the Bills would have matched the Chiefs in the AFC division around. They would have beat the Bengals in the AFC title game. They would have beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. And then the Chargers will go kick a field goal. Like they'll be the first team to lose as a result of the new rule. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the way poetry works. I just this is gonna happen and people are gonna cheer it, and it's a it's a solution without a problem. Why can't everybody be as smart as us? Stats is the question. I don't know. And it's a sad, it's a sad reality, but that's why we're here. Um, last thing for us to get into today. And we've talked about this before Monday football Monday. I'm actually curious to hear the thoughts of the oddcast on this, but um, over the weekend, Carson Wentz posted some photos of him and his Indianapolis Colts teammates on the grind working out. Good for you, Carson respect. Um, a little awkward considering Everybody in the world is talking about how the Colts want to move on from Carson Wentz. Uh, no big <laughs> deal. Um, I actually, if if we're in that season where we're like, Kyler removed all the clues to the Cardinals on his social media. In the photos, right. Carson is the only player not seen wearing a – actually, he is in the last photo wearing a Colts helmet. But still, like it, for a minute, as I was cycling through the photos, I was like, wow, he's not wearing a, his Colts helmet. Everybody else is. Uh, but anyway, um, I've reached a point. And I'm not, like, passionate about this. Let me be very clear here. But I was listening to last week's Around the NFL podcast, and they had on Zach Kiefer, who covers the Colts, um, and obviously talking about how, like, the Colts really want to move on and, like, who can blame them, right? He was awful. Uh, but he talked about how, like, improbable it was for them to find a solution. Like, what is what is the answer? Like, they don't, they don't have a first-round pick because of this hole they buried themselves in. And let me be very clear here. 
I am not a fan of Carson Wentz. I don't think he's good. I don't think he's a great leader. I think he's a whiner. This is like kind of the theme of today's episode stats is all the whining happening in different <laughs> capacities. Um, but I think he is an okay quarterback. Not okay the way you and I have caped for Kirk Cousins before, but like I don't think that you I don't think there is a practical fill-in for him that the Colts can find this offseason. I don't I like I think Jimmy Garoppolo or Teddy Bridgewater or Andy Dalton, I think that's a lateral move. And maybe there's a bit of sense to cutting Carson Wentz for the purposes of like sending a message and like, we don't put up with this. There are consequences to your actions on and on and on. So that's one half of my idea that I shared with you. And I know you have a take on, but the other half, because I want to give you the full thing. I think that Chris Ballard and Frank Reich are skating by. I think it's actually really, really strategic. I think they deserve a lot of credit in a manipulative sort of way because they have through whatever channels framed the idea that Carson did it. It's Carson's fault. Carson choked. It was Carson that lost against the Raiders and against the Jaguars. No, man, like Carson was bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not at all keeping for Carson, but you have to bear some of the responsibility here. And they're saying like, oh, with Andy Dalton, with Teddy Bridgewater, like, you know, what are you, you going to do? You're going to lose in the wild card round instead? Like <laughs> instead of losing in, in week 18 to the Jaguars, like th- th- this is all getting piled on the easily pileable person. And I'm not saying that Carson deserves to not be piled on. He has made his bed in the NFL, but I think that like there's some logic to not keeping Carson, but not like I I think this is a a savior job move from Chris Ballard and Frank. Like they have to do this to keep any blood off of their hands. I agree with you on the second point. They do deserve criticism because even though they've had a really weird quarterback situation there in Indianapolis, they got blindsided by the retirement of Andrew Luck and they've been scrambling ever since. I hate that they're still like that was supposed to stop with Carson Wentz that the whole point of the Carson Wentz move was, okay, now we're finally back on track. And it's like, it's like this, RJ, if I had, if I was like a a CEO somewhere and I said, RJ, I'm going to give you an opportunity to interview for this great job. We're going to pay you $2 million a year. You're only going to have to work three days a week. Here's the situation. The interview starts at 9 a.m. If you're not in my office at 9 a.m., you do not get the job. And then if you decided to drive to that interview in a car that you know frequently breaks down, you can't then blame the car for not getting to the interview. This is the purple pants rule. I talk about this all the time in life. If somebody offered you a job and they gave you the contract, they said, we'll pay you all this money stats because you're awesome and perfect and wonderful and handsome. And you were like, great. And you signed this contract. But within the contract, it says you have this job, but you can't wear purple pants to work on Wednesdays. And you wear purple pants to work on Wednesdays. Like, who's the idiot? Like, it's a dumb rule, but you knew it. Like, you knew what the situation was when you signed that contract. Right. But I disagree with you on the first part. You, I, I'm like stunned by your takes on today's show. You have like, okay, so you're you're saying that Carson Wentz is not good enough. And then you're arguing, but they should keep Carson Wentz. That's absurd. Get rid of this guy. If he, If you know he's not the guy, get rid of him. If you were in a relationship with somebody and you know, I am not marrying this person. Why would you continue to be in a relationship with them? I agree with you. I I agree. Get out of it. Even if you're worse off in the short term, you'll be better off in the long term. So that's why they should get rid of Carson Wentz. I agree. And that's where, like, they're trapped. And unlike, they're not getting enough criticism for being trapped. Like, they trapped themselves. Carson didn't trap them. You know, like, Carson didn't force his trade to Indianapolis. Like, yes, he wanted out. But he, like, they trapped themselves. And I think it's stupid and 
that we've used the word stupid a lot. This is a really like contentious <laughs> episode. Um, yeah, it is. it's normally way chiller when Pete is here, but like I hate, and I've done it before, and that's why like I had this like kind of realization the other day. I hate that they're getting credit for this, like this, like well, good for them, like they're realizing that they got to get out, and that he's not the one they want to marry, and they're just doing it now. Like a lot of other teams, wait, yeah, that's true, but like they're screwed. Like they don't like what what <laughs> option do they have? Like I mean, and and that's where like I'm looking at this in a vacuum. That that's where I'm. I'm coming from in a vacuum i don't think that carson wentz is worse than the likes of andy dalton teddy bridgewater sam darnold uh mitchell trubisky like whatever you're, you're gonna like you're, like that's your move like that like you're only gonna hurt yourself you're gonna eat that like again like if we live in a vacuum you're gonna eat that dead money from cutting carson wentz to what prove a point like I, and it's a point that's worth proving but you're you're only hindering your capabilities and so like that's my only point and i guess you you do agree with that that you're hurting yourself in the short term but move on from him next year if that's your point like you know he's not the guy and i'm not saying like stick around for no reason but you are screwed for 2022 you have no real option and you made this bed and so fine cut Carson Wentz but they deserve way more blame than he's getting is my point and that's not to stick up for Carson that's just looking at the situation for what it is they made this bed I absolutely agree they made this bed and they do deserve more blame but you're you're already screwed for 2022 anyway because you've admitted he's not good enough so you're not avoiding that cost by keeping him. So uh, your takes today, man, you have been way too concerned about what might happen one year after a particular move is made, whether it's a Sean Payton thing with the Saints or whether it's this Carson Wentz thing, man. Take one step back to take two steps forward. That's my advice to you. I just, I, I, I guess where I'm coming from is it doesn't, it's not the dumbest thing to keep Carson Wentz the football player. It's not. It's it's not. Yes, it it's is. not the the dumbest thing. But again, like I'm more coming from a place of being upset that like, and, and that's why like I give Chris Ballard and Frank Wright credit for manipulating the situation. They did. They framed this. From, <laughs> they really did from the get go. When Chris Ballard said you got to take the layups, like Chris. You didn't take the layup. Like when you traded for Carson Wentz, you decided to shoot this thing from half court instead of taking the layup. Like that started with him. And so from day one, they and it seems like they have convinced Jim Irsay of this. And again, I'm not saying it's an incredible leap to come to the conclusion that Carson Wentz is not good and isn't deserving to be a franchise quarterback. But they have been very calculated with this to where nobody except for RJ Cho, it seems, is pointing fingers at Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. Nobody is. Not, that's no, that's not the take you're seeing anywhere. It's they, it's Carson's got to go. Carson sucks. Carson's the reason. Carson's the problem. Carson's the cancer. I think you have said it. I've agreed with you. I think BLG agrees with us. The SB Nation NFL show was willing to call a spade a spade here. And Reich and Ballard have to eat a big slice of blame pie for sure. And I think that they will, because I think what's going to happen is they're going to get rid of Carson Wentz. It's going to be a huge cost. And they're going to be applauded for that. And that's so stupid. Well, I do applaud them from the standpoint of, to me, keeping him when you know he's not the guy is dumb. They but knew he was not the guy when they one... traded for him. They tried, they tried to be. They tried to be the hero they that should have known. They tried to be the hero that Carson Wentz tries to be every game when they traded for him. That was it. Like that. There was the only. The only way that was going to work is if they pulled off this like backwards crazy trick somersault. The way Carson's like plays only work. That yes. was the only way. That's, right. it's, it's so ironic that like that is the case here, and they are not receiving any blame or any responsibility for this. 
and they should. And, you know, I've talked a lot about with the 49ers, how Kyle Shanahan has largely kind of skated by because people have said, well, he didn't really kind of get to pick his quarterback. And now, of course, they have Trey Lance. And so people are going to start judging him for that. The, Reich and Ballard have skated by in the same way because they Andrew Luck retired. And then they were like, oh, crap, what are we going to do? Oh, I don't know. Let's just get Philip Rivers. OK, Philip Rivers retires. What are we going to do now? Like now is the time where whether they keep Carson Wentz or whether they get rid of Carson Wentz from now on, I think the the honeymoon is over with Ballard and Wright. I do also my last take on this. I, I'm I've really turned on the Colts. Like I really don't know what it is. Like I've been there. It's a nice uh, yeah. city. Like you know, actually of all weeks, like you know, it's the week of the combine. But like people are like, oh, everyone should try to be the Rams, and I'm not like knocking that at all. But the Colts did. Like I, I don't think that take is out there. The Colts did try to be the Rams. They haven't used a they haven't had a first round pick in three of the last four years, counting this season. This is the Carson Wentz trade, the DeForest Buckner trade. Like they have tried to do the like, let's go all in. And they're like the the they're the the example of the inverse, you know, result. Like it sometimes doesn't work. Like and if you trade for the wrong players, like it only highlights even more so what the Rams have done right. They've they've made these moves, but for the right players. You can do and I don't at all mean to paint DeForest Buckner in the in the wrong way, but they like they hitched their wagon to Carson Wentz and look what happened. That's a great point by you. There is no one way to do it, but however you choose to do it, the simple fact will always remain. You got to be right. Whether you, you draft guys and build that way, or whether you trade your picks to get proven players, you got to be right. You got to pick the right players. I think we've seen, there literally is no blueprint. We've seen teams win championships all different ways, but Whatever you do obviously has to work out the way you think it's going to do. And that's a great point. The Colts have tried to go all in and they have not had the same amount of success that the Rams have had. That's the smartest thing you've said on today's show. Maybe the only smart thing. The Colts are on my list. I just want that known. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm aware of like every like the Colts are hiding in plain sight, dude. Like that, you know what I'm saying? Like nobody is criticizing them. It's like, oh, good job, Chris Ballard, and good job, Frank Reich. You guys are doing this. Like, no. You made this bed. Lie in it. Lie in it. Sit and lay in this bed and watch Netflix. That's how long you got to be in this bed. Um, let's bring in the fantastic Rachel to uh, – this is a new thing, Rachel, that I just decided in the moment um, to pick oh, the, the point that was the best throughout this show. You have to award Rachel's MVP Ooh. of the episode. I think we start doing this every single week. I know we've had you come in to break the ties uh, as of late, but so your MVP of the episode, who made the best point, the most convincing point, and why? Go ahead, please. Okay. I'm looking back over my notes and I like the conversation about the change in overtime rules. I'm going to give my point to my MVP to stat. Oh, yeah. The first one of these is a person that's not even a regular ratio. How could you? Let's go. We agreed. Everything we said we agreed on. How can you give it to him? <laughs> Let her give her justification. I like his delivery Damn. a little bit stronger on that one. Eat it, RJ. Well, RJ, you had some proposals that were different. They were a little bit different, remember? But the one that are that stats mentioned about determining how they determine like who gets the buffers, maybe if it's based off a of yardage or whatever, uh, I thought that that was a really strong point. So I have to go with stats for you, this. One. You can't put this toothpaste back in the tube, Rachel. That's all I'll say. I mean, I don't even want to tell Pete what happened here. Like I don't like just burn this episode. <laughs> wow. I just Rachelle. want to point out, RJ, that your big revolution to Monday Football Monday was to have Rachelle come out and give an MVP point, much like the Oddcast has been giving MVPs and LVPs all season. So, yeah, but here's way the thing. to my, steal our no, idea. My, my point was born out of more narcissism because she's giving it to one of us, not somebody within the NFL. 
So you thought you were going to win. Let's be honest. You thought you were going to win. Oh. I thought Rachelle and I were friends. That was my mistake. <laughs> you know, we're all friends. Wow. There wow. you go. If if this was a situation, Rachelle, you would be Chris Ballard. I would be Frank Reich, and stats <laughs> would be um, Carson Wentz, obviously. Uh, the podcast audience can't see this, uh, Rachelle, obviously, but does, doesn't stats look like Andrew Garfield? I don't know about that one. Wow. You're the first, per- honestly, I've heard that before. So you're the first person to okay. say no. I mean, he's more attractive no. than me. This is clear. I'm like a, a diet Andrew Garfield, like a, like a broke ass Andrew <laughs> Garfield. I thought about it when you said louder than words. That's one of the songs in okay. Tick, Tick, Boom that Andrew Garfield's in. So I really like, I felt like I was watching the movie when you were saying like louder than words. So yeah. Rachel, thank you very much. Although not thank you for um, ruining that exercise. <laughs> I'm never going to fill in on this show again. I'm going to retire undefeated and untied and I will lord it over you mm, forever. The Brad Johnson of Monday Football Monday, I guess. Um, wow. Uh, thank you, Stats, for filling in. Shout out Pete Sweeney, the real MVP, obviously. Uh, the most valuable Pete is what I mean by real MVP. Uh, on Twitter at Stats on Fire. On Twitter at Rachelle Monique. I believe that is correct. On Twitter at RJ Ochoa. That is where you can get all of us. On Twitter at SB Nation NFL. At SB Nation. Basically, just find it. Like, we're there's a lot of stuff. You know, just... Just look for it. Yeah, you know, just just do it, whatever. You can hear stats on Tuesdays on the Espionation NFL on the on the Espionation NFL show on the Oddcast. You can also hear he and I on the Look Ahead on Thursdays. Uh, stats, the final ninety-three words belong to you. Go ahead. I don't even know how many words ninety-three, like how long that is, but I'll just say this: Kyler Murray, dumb. Your overtime proposal, dumb. Indianapolis Colts, dumb. I'm a genius. Enjoy your Monday, everybody. Everybody's dumb. Everybody's stupid. Peace. Peace.